Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canadian Sport Institute Pacific's Podium Cast podcast. In this podcast, we explore cutting edge ideas, gain valuable insights, and dive into athletes' journeys from the world of high performance sport. Kendra Stoner, and I'm so excited you're here with me today. Before we kick off this episode, I'm thrilled to announce our Podium Cast has a sponsor. Endure is a Canadian performance sock company. They're on Dragon's Den. It was pretty cool. They create some funky fresh socks with some super fun patterns on them, and I'm so excited to have them team up with us for this podcast. Now, today, I have with me two athletes, Mac Marcoux and Tristan Rogers. They are part of the para-alpine skiing team. Thank you guys so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we'll get started with Mac. Do you want to maybe give us a bit of background of your sporting career and where you come from and how you got into skiing? Uh, yeah, so when I was eight years old, I lost my uh, most of my vision to a genetic disease called Stargardt which took all of my central vision, left me with 6% in the peripherals. Um, as a little kid, I grew up um, north of Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, so pretty remote and grew up with a lot of like snowmobiling and dirt biking and um, racing go-karts as a kid. And kind of when my vision took a turn, my family started looking to sports for visually impaired athletes and um, kind of just went through the roster and stumbled upon uh, para-alpine skiing and Saw a couple of videos online it looked pretty sweet so that year we just jumped right in with two feet and started skiing with the uh, local ski club at Searchmont Resort um, we raced there for four or five years um, where I ran through like my Nancy Green years so like from 8 to 12 13 um, and then in 2011 I, uh, I came out to Kimberly BC to try uh, to see kind of where we'd stack up at uh, nationals and um, we ended up coming out and have a couple really good results and caught the eye of the Canadian Paralpine team and um, from there it's kind of been uh, just snowballing ever since. Uh, we started racing World Cup in 2012-13 season, um, ended up with a couple World Cup podiums and a World Champs medal in Spain that year which was you know just unbelievable and that kind of rolled, rolled right into uh, the 2013-14 season in Desoshi and um, at this point I was skiing with my brother as my guide for um, pretty much the whole time um, on and off with a couple injuries um, and he he ended up getting hurt about two weeks before the Paralympics in 2014 um, so we ended up having to sub in with uh, Robin Femi and we rolled into the games just kind of a little bit low morale but super excited and just kind of come in and hope for the best and we uh we ended up kind of surprising ourselves and coming out with two bronze and a gold um and from there it's just been it's just been crazy like we uh we had world championships in canada in 2015 um and at that point was my brother's last race he retired um due to just some some injuries that were kind of hindering him and he didn't want to just keep beating up his body so he uh, he retired and then from there I started skiing with Jack Leach out of Calgary um, he skied for 
two years leading up to the games and uh, and into 2018 and Pyeongchang, um, and that's when you know we really started to click and we uh, we started having a lot of good results. We came out of uh, the 2017 World Championships in La Molina with uh, four out of five uh, gold medals and one silver, and it just it built so much hype and so much stoke coming into the 2018 year that we were just kind of feeding off good vibes and it just uh yeah it all went so fast and ended up in 2018 having uh coming into Pyeongchang just like super excited and we uh we came out with a gold in the downhill and uh a bronze in the giant slalom um we had a couple mishaps a couple crashes but uh we were super excited with the way we way competed there um and from there, it kind of turned into a little bit of a toned down year. After 2018, we've been going hard for, you know, seven years at this point, and it was time just to take a step back and kind of refocus and regroup. So um, Jack had stepped aside as a guide, and I started working with Tristan in uh, in the June of, of last season. And uh, we, we'd ski together a couple camps, one in Chile and in uh, kind of August, September, and then another camp in October in, uh, in, where were we? Sauce Bay. Sauce Bay. And, uh, and then unfortunately ended up just having a bad turn of events and wasn't, you know, physically in the best, in the best shape after taking a kind of a summer on the down low and ended up tweaking my back and slipping a disc. And it's been uh, kind of a constant battle just trying to get back. So Tristan's been, uh, chomping at the bit here, waiting to get, get into some races we had to take all last season off and just really try and rehab and um yeah came back came back out to whistler this this spring with uh with intentions of just kind of building back up and getting a good foundation and now uh we're getting ready to ramp things back up get back on snow and hopefully start getting back into some racing pretty soon nice thanks mac Tristan, I'll put it over to you. Do you want to maybe explain to me what it's like being a guide during a race, during training? What does that kind of team dynamic look like? What's your roles and respo responsibilities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to be honest, I haven't had too much race experience uh, with Mac. He uh, slipped a disc in November, and so we missed out on the entire race season. But uh, we'd had three or four really good training camps together, and... Um, being a guide is um, by far the funnest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, we're always having so much fun and, and communicating on the headsets. And um, yeah, it's not too much pressure. Um, I feel it's it's come pretty easily. Um, I've always been a fairly technically sound skier, definitely not the fastest out there. Um, but yeah, super consistent, which has helped me a lot. Um, and yeah, just being in front of Mac is super fun and he's very confident back there so we just thrive off each other's uh good times and yeah nice so i'm trying to like visualize what it looks like to be in a race the two of you you have headsets yeah so we're connected with radio headsets okay um and there's a microphone and two earpieces that plug into our helmet okay. um i wear a really bright orange shirt mm -hmm. and uh orange race bib with a big g on it so it's pretty fluorescent and visible on the white snow. Okay. And uh, yeah, it basically looks like a big orange shirt flying the, down the mountain and Mac Marcoux real close behind. So. <laughs> so you guys, are you physically connected? 
or no, you're following no, the yeah there's no tether or anything like yeah. that basically i uh we we use headsets that you use for for motorcycles for the most part and it basically just connects us two ways like we're on the phone with each other and he can explain to me what's happening in as he's going through the train and uh mm. different different variations like depending on the like i'm more of a speed skier so in downhill it would be a lot more just talking about where the rolls are and and just talk about the section of the course because we do a lot of visualizing ahead of time so just kind of keeping me posted on where we are so i can be ready for what's coming ahead yeah just giving the important cues right. as to where we are in the course so that can be prepared for for what's coming up yeah right yeah. and then basically from there i just watch how his legs move and mm-hmm. for like the small micro train and stuff so i can see where he's hitting bumps and just kind of know where that it's coming just because mm-hmm. my i don't have enough um like depth perception or detail to know really what it's gonna yeah be there's like. no texture to the snow for you no it's very yeah. much just kind of black and white when there's uh i just kind of follow the follow him and then um kind of just go back and forth as i'm coming up to the gate like look at the gate and look at him and then uh, just basically try not to lose him in my blind spot and uh hold on and hope for the best wild <laughs> it's a good time <laughs> yeah so you're going very fast when you're skiing yeah so the communication isn't like okay mac we're gonna be turning left here a little bit like it's not long sentence no sentences. keywords, are, keywords are very important do you guys have code like um yeah there's definitely like lingo well, yeah ling- <laughs> lingo to it so you'll, you'll go through and you name a bunch of sections of the course so yeah like depending okay. on, you'll name each roll or each jump and um basically by the time he says it i'm coming up to it mm-hmm. um, especially in speed you're going you know from like anywhere from 100 to 130k an hour and it's it's yeah it's pretty quick so by the time it comes out of his mouth i'm already yeah. going into it so it just gives right. me enough time to re- react before right little reminder too yeah pretty much so with para alpine skiing does every athlete have a guide um for visually impaired category they do yeah okay so that's a whole category in itself that's a category in itself um so basically i race against the other visually impaired racers okay. from around around the world and so there's three categories in para-alpine there's standing sitting and visually impaired the standing would be physical disabilities that you can still stand you know mm-hmm. um like cerebral palsy um mm-hmm. uh, lower lower limb amputees and um just people that that can still stand and ski pretty well yeah. um and then the sitting category would be for um you know people with spinal cord injuries or uh, mm-hmm just that can't really use their lower half um, and then they would use a mono ski or a tip ski and then the vision impaired category is yeah where we sit and there's there's and there's subcategories within each category Jeez. yeah it's, it's a lot to handle <laughs> it's a system <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot to grasp but right. for, for myself i ski in the like the most cited category of visually impaired okay so there's three categories b1 b2 and b3 the b1 category is completely blind mm-hmm. um and they normally ski with like a big microphone stereo on the back of their guide oh wow so they're full on just listening to right. where they're going and listening to cues and it's a lot more like up left 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 right right mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. compared to the b2 category we have a little bit less vision than i do but mm-hmm. it's kind of like that in between and then for me it's like i can pretty well function just on cues Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it seems to work. So we just kind of roll with it. How's, uh, your injury going right now? Uh, it's been really good. You know, we, I came back and got back on snow in March here mm-hmm. in Whistler and just did a lot of free skiing and kind of just getting back on my feet. And then, uh, we had one camp in, uh, Sunshine in Alberta for a little bit and kind of halfway through the camp, about six, seven days in, it started to get a little, uh, a little tweaked in the back. So I, 
shut her down and came back out here and uh we we've been training here since well the beginning of may i've been here like five days a week and just trying to get you know as strong as i can mm-hmm. and build everything around the lower part of my back so that it's supported and i uh, had a little bit of a hiccup last month it um it slipped out again in august so i uh went back home for a little bit recoup just had a little bit of rest and recovery and then uh i've been back out here for two weeks now and i'll be i'll be in whistler training uh as hard as i can kind of until beginning of november and hopefully be back on snow by uh you know mid-november 14th or so sweet so tristan what's the kind of training routine look like for you with with mac are you guys just like doing teamwork the whole time working out together i mean i just went out for lunch with you guys like are you living together like what's that dynamic yeah um well at the end of our sunshine camp i return home to ottawa i'm in my second year of mechanical engineering at the university of ottawa now so i got my summer semester done while mac was out here training and uh yeah i've got a great facility in ottawa that i can train in and um and then as soon as school was done i flew out here with uh with my bike and We've been training in the gym five days a week together ever since. Um, obviously, Mac went home for a bit because of his uh, recent injury, but yeah, we, we train together in the mornings, and then uh, we we love riding bikes together and, and pushing each other and and really enjoying the uh, everything that Whistler has to offer. Um, yeah, so we live together, work out nice. together. It's mm-hmm. a pretty pretty awesome uh Pretty awesome lifestyle. <laughs> pretty, pretty good dynamic. For yeah. Sure. Cool. How does the dynamic with Tristan compare to the dynamic you had when you your brother was your guide? It's it's crazy. Like I've been so fortunate with guides. Um, I've seen a lot of athletes struggle to kind of get along, and it's uh, it's not just as much as trusting somebody on a hill. You know, we spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you have to be able to you know gel as a as a pairing so that you know you don't want to kill each other by any yeah. reason and, i uh, think i could be the best skier in the world but if you didn't like me it just wouldn't work out <laughs> yeah, exactly so it's uh it's been awesome you know skiing with your brother it's pretty hard to beat we we had a lot of good times and we were we were so close as uh mm-hmm. already as brothers that you know the trust and everything like that that kind of involves with the skiing it was mm-hmm. it was just second nature it already happened it already worked we already had it um and then Skiing with Jack was he had a very similar, similar personality to my brother. You know, super mellow tempered and a really strong skier. So it's super easy to when you see how strong somebody is as a skier, and mm-hmm. it only takes a couple laps to to see and kind of you feel off feed off their vibes. You know, if they're skiing super strong and confident, it's super easy to jump in behind and just kind of hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I started skiing with Tristan, it was another exactly the same way. Um, like him, I find him and uh, him and Robin have a very similar personalities are a lot more bubbly a lot more energetic mm-hmm. and uh and it just makes it basically we just party laps over and over again <laughs> yeah. so we're over hooting and hollering and having a good time and just literally like skiing with a buddy and mm-hmm. the radios just make it more entertaining <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's about 60 seconds of very serious focus mm-hmm. and then the rest is all just grin and holler <laughs> exactly that's amazing speaking of like good vibes i get infectious vibes from you just from the little i've got to know you you have such incredible enthusiasm positive attitude you can laugh at yourself you can laugh with others it's really incredible and like you obviously struggle with things in your life being partially blind like that's that's a lot a lot to deal with like what are some of like the challenges you think that you faced 
how have you overcome those? It's uh, it's pretty. It is pretty wild. Like when you, when you start to think about um, you know the adversity adversities you have to kind of overcome. And for me, it's always just been an adapt and move on. I can still do everything that everyone else has been doing, and I think it was a lot to do with how I was raised. After my business started to go bad, uh, my family never you know put me in a bubble or anything. If I still mm-hmm. wanted to hang out and ride dirt bikes or mm-hmm. ride mountain bikes sleds it was never an issue it was just um kind of like a use your head thing and um it was yeah just the growing up with my brother and it was always kind of people just pushing you mm-hmm. along with a lot of support so um like obviously being visually impaired driving's an issue <laughs> um, <laughs> uh so living super remote it's is a lot easier for me to get around because I can just hop on my sled and boot to town or you know it's super easy to have a lot of trust and a lot of support around you like mm-hmm. with family and friends and like everyone's been amazing so it, it makes it really hard to complain about anything um, mm-hmm. and yeah as for I don't know it's it's just kind of like you grow up just trying to overcome things and mm-hmm. figure out how you can do what everyone else is doing and mm-hmm. eventually uh that you figure it out or you don't but you don't really have an option to not so totally yeah you just kind of keep on rolling with the punches and hope for the best nice i love that what's um okay i have this not theory it's a very well-known thing but um i'm super invested in the concept of like what you put out into the world you will receive back so like where does that kind of like put in your you're nodding your head but where what do you want to say about that uh, i think it's definitely true like it's it like we you always hear like stuff with like support from home for sure especially like it says i always hear like it takes a village Mm -hmm. um and i think just having so many people behind you allows myself to have more confidence in other areas in life that i can then kind of project onto other people Mm -hmm. um again it's not something you try to do on purpose kind of thing it just kind of happens i think um and you just find yourself like I found in the last couple of years for sure, you know, you just get a lot more messages and like cool stories about other kids that are going through the same thing I was 10 years ago and mm-hmm. they're just trying to ask for advice. And I remember being that person and sending messages out to, you know, people that I looked up to like Chris Williamson and Brian McKeever. And mm-hmm. I'd send, my mom would send an email and just ask like, <laughs> how do you guys do this? Like mm-hmm. just, just trying to figure things out. And, uh, and now seeing it kind of come full circle is it's really cool. Uh, it's really cool to be able to be a part of it and yeah. throw in your two cents. And now knowing that people are watching what you're doing and um, just kind of makes you feel like all the work and everything you put in is now paying off and it's coming mm-hmm. around full circle and you can actually make an impact in a lot more areas than just skiing. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. So what's next for you guys? Tristan, do you want to chime in? Um, yeah, so we're, Mac will be in Whistler for the next, um, five, five weeks, and, uh, and then from there, we're going to be headed to Panorama for a classic preseason training block, and, uh, yeah, we don't have too much information as to what's going to happen after that, but I think this season will be very much training-based mm-hmm. and training-focused, um, kind of putting the racing aside. Max had, uh, astonishing results and uh, it's really important that he gets that confidence back and uh, mm-hmm. yeah feels confident with his body and 
and heals those injuries. So very much training-based season. I'm trying to get the uh, ball rolling again. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you've had five Paralympic medals. You're a five-time world champion. What do those titles mean to you, Mac? It's it's more the feeling of like in the moment than, than they are when you kind of look back on them. Um, I think very rarely do we I look backwards at like kind of what, what has happened in the past. It's just kind of the feeling of accomplishment when you kind of achieve the goals that you'd set out. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, it's just more stepping stones than anything, you know? You build up a set of goals in your mind, and once you can achieve them, you just kind of feed off such good energy and good vibes that you just look for the next thing and mm-hmm. kind of it just keeps snowballing and picking up for on itself and it's like the craziest feeling in the world and then when you do you know have have these conversations where you do look back and you're like whoa or they <laughs> come coming into the games even they do uh, they do a lot of stuff that kind of like reminisces on your previous results mm-hmm. and, and it just makes you like sit back and think and it's uh it's been a good run for sure and mm-hmm. hopefully we can keep the ball going and um, you know, start pushing avenues in different ways. Um, definitely still going for good results and, mm-hmm. and just basically just trying to be the best athlete I can be. Yeah, I think that's a really amazing quality that Mac shares with all of these high-performance athletes is, you know, once the result is uh, achieved, you know, he doesn't brag, he doesn't gloat. It's like, okay, what's next? You know, yeah. this is it's awesome we're we've accomplished this what's next i'm hungry for more yeah and that's a a really awesome quality that uh that mac has yeah i've noticed that too very humble and it's really refreshing i I really appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) um do you guys have any tips for upcoming athletes uh as for me i think all i can say is just kind of roll with the punches and keep getting back up and trying harder Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. things don't go your way, and um, with good results are going to come bad results, and be able to learn from mistakes, but be able to, you know, take the good out of each mistake and move forward and put that into good use in the future and the next time you get yourself in that situation, and it just builds a super solid foundation for uh, for success. Awesome, Tristan. Any additions? Yeah. Um, well, I I grew up. Uh, skiing at the local club uh, we didn't have enough money to pay for the uh, elite teams which did a lot of training camps in the off season and I never had that privilege so whatever I lacked in uh, financial resources I always tried to make up for in hard work mm-hmm. and um, I never had the best results I was never the fastest out there but I just kept pushing and uh, yeah five years of the bump and grind in the provincial and national circuits um like I said, was never the fastest or the best, but really kept my head down and kept grinding. And then all of a sudden this opportunity kind of came out of the blue and uh, it really goes to show how much uh, hard work pays off um, and never never give up because, uh, yeah, it's it's totally worth it. All of that effort and all of those hard, hard workouts and hard days of training will definitely pay off in the long run. So, yeah. Despite the results, you always have to keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Most of all, just have fun. 
Have a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> Tristan and Mac, have a hoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Life motto. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for coming in and, and chatting with me and sitting down. And I know you guys just were biking in the pouring rain up in Whistler, but yeah. super glad you <laughs> Always guys good came. times. Yeah. <laughs> Always a hoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Podium Cast. We're available now on Spotify, Google Podcast. Apple podcast. Um, yeah. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the podium cast. If you have any feedback or topics you'd like covered, send us an email at athlete at Stay tuned for our next episode and have a fabulous day.